welcome to another episode of the streaking line podcast a, a new season happy summertime uh we're back because you know it's acc media days sports are gearing up for the fall so we here on the podcast are back to gear up for the fall and that means football and uh when it comes to football i want to talk with paul about it so paul hello welcome back how's it going hey, man doing good Let's, looking uh, forward to some some foosball old old timey podcast today uh, zach couldn't make it so just some old heads here talking about the the wahoos on the gridiron uh you know it led me to look back at last season and then remember why i didn't want to look back at last season although there were Correct. obviously some highs um but you know finishing on a a disappointing note in that final game and then obviously the COVID outbreak and not playing a bowl game and then you know Bronco leaving announcing leaving before that and then a leaving in the coaching hire so it's an exciting offseason for the football team but one that comes with so many question marks um, but uh, you know uh, plenty of exciting uh, returning guys to be uh, stoked about and and it, it, it leads to like the whole prediction thing being really up in the air, right? You know, you got new coaches, uh, a totally new offensive line. So we're going to get into a lot of that and uh, talk about some expectations, talk about some things to be paying attention to as you follow uh, any of these reports as the, you know, the second half of the summer uh, practice and such winds down and uh, maybe even look at the schedule. We'll see. I don't know. A lot, lot to talk about. Best place to talk about that. Yeah, exactly. It's always going to take me, I guess to Brennan Armstrong, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a good, a, always a good place to start. Pretty good place to start. Um, maybe we should have started with a uh, coaching change and things like that, but uh, you know, let's start on a high note and, and say the, the biggest reason for optimism obviously is, is going to be the quarterback, the most important position on the team and the who's have a, a really strong one in, uh, in a guy who, who didn't have to come back um, probably made sense to, you know, and talking about like, where was he going to, you know, take the next steps professionally or, or NFL draft wise? Um, it can't hurt. Well, hopefully it can't hurt <laughs> to come back and, uh, and pad those stats, throw for thousands and thousands more yards and, and hopefully have a success under another different uh, coaching staff, another offense and, you know, build another resume that says, Hey, uh, uh, despite my height or whatever you would point at as uh, reasons, he's not up people's draft boards can't can't argue with the production hopefully so paul you know with with armstrong coming back for for another year what does that do for a team that has a lot of question marks to build around him yeah i think i mean it's it is you know you see it in we we hear it every year in, in sort of nfl draft season that the most important position to have nailed down is quarterback and mm-hmm. and I, that's true in the college game as well um and and i think it's it's true in a way that Brennan really plays to Brennan's strengths that you, it, when, especially when you've got a quarterback with some mobility, uh, it, mm-hmm. it opens up the ability to cover up a lot of other flaws or a lot of other holes, kind of like we've seen the last two years with Virginia, mm-hmm. that, that the lack of a traditional running game and, and really more than just the last two years. I mean, this is really sort of back to Bryce Perkins, that the lack of a traditional running game being made up for by somebody who's willing to pull it down or even, you know, play as a designed runner um, from, from the shotgun or under center. So having a guy like that in, in the room, who's one of the most experienced players on the team now. So he's, he's somebody that can very naturally step into that leadership role. You'd expect that of a, a, a player who's been in the program as long as he has, 
in addition to being the starting quarterback now going into um, into another season. And, you know, a guy that's going to be, it's, it's hard to think of a preseason watch list. He probably won't be on, right, um, right. you know, other than, you know, defensive player of the year, probably none of those, but, you know, he's already been, I think, named to the Maxwell award watch list. He's third, third team preseason, all ACC, you know, per Athlon. And I'm sure we'll get the, you know, when we get the all conference teams out of media days, uh, here, here shortly, I'm, I'm sure we'll see him probably second or third team again. Um, so it's, you know, he's, he is in many ways, both the, the constant, but then there's mm-hmm. a question of what does the offense around him look like? What is, is, is this something that he's going to be asked to change his game to fit an offense that coach Elliott and Des Kitchings want to run, or are they starting from what do we build that maximizes what Brennan does well? And, and I could see it very much being the latter of those two things that these are guys that are not particularly schematic disciples. It's not like they come from the Mike Leach tree or okay, something. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, you know, Elliot has talked about his preference is a no huddle spread based run. Um, attack being that that being sort of the the basic philosophy but there's obviously a lot of a lot of options for how you get there Mm -hmm. um so if 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 those two sort of central offensive minds in the program are looking at things as what's the best we can do with with who we have i think that obviously they're they're thinking we'll probably start with brendan armstrong and i think we'll probably see something that asks him to still use his feet but maybe less designed run to try and put a little bit less wear and tear on him um i guess at least we'll see yeah i mean you know it it seems to be the the sensible thing to do obviously and so it's not going to be i guess quite like robert and i's play calling you know i i I think he in his own right brings things to the table that that you don't see from, from many other right, humans right. out there doing that. Put three quarterbacks in the field at the same time. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right, right, right. And, you know, Keaton is in the, the receivers are going to be, you know, Wicks obviously um, are going to be instrumental in that. And we'll get into the O-line questions in just a second. But point being, if they run a spread, if they run a hurry up spread, if they if they try and do playing to Armstrong's strengths and his passing proficiency and, and really uh, just just the volume of stats that he can put up. It might be similar, but it's not going to be necessarily um, uh, re- repeating the insane yards that he was able to accomplish. I mean, it, a single right. game passing record, that's Armstrong. Single passing record, season passing record, that's Armstrong. Single game total offense, that's an Armstrong. And these are all UVA <laughs> records. Season total offense, that's Armstrong. Season passing touchdowns, Armstrong. Uh, career passing 300-yard games, Armstrong. <laughs> you know, if he isn't leading the UVA football records for quarterbacks, he's in the top three at least. And, and it's because of his ability. It's because of the great receivers that, that he had last season, but also the scheme and the play calling. So with a new right. staff, um, you know, I was going to ask, and you already covered it. Basically, it's like, hopefully you get some of that. It doesn't need to be exactly the same, but hopefully you're playing to the strengths that the arms are, Armstrong brings. Um, right. And, and that's one of those, like, are you, 
are you at, you know, you, we look at all those incredible statistical performances that brands put up the last two seasons and, and last year, especially And how many of those games was it, you know, yeah, he had 450 yards passing and the team combined had 75 yards rushing. You know, I, <laughs> right, I think right, right. just speaking from sort of my perspective and I think I, I, from what I've gathered from sort of other people around the program and, and just sort of interacting with other fans, it, it does seem to be, everybody would be happy if we're still getting 525 yards of offense, but the split right. is a little different. If it's, right. if it's Brennan's putting up 350 through the air, but we're able to get 175 on the ground. Right. I think that math still works. Like that is <laughs> like, I think that's much more of, of the balance that, yeah, we would be okay with Brennan quote unquote, taking a step back. Right. That means, you know, one, the team's not as dependent on him staying healthy, which has been a bit of an issue for him. Say, he's he's yeah. missed at least one game each of the last couple of years. Um, and, but two, it's also being able to be a more multidimensional offense, do more clock control, hopefully play with a lead kind of stuff um, and, and give, give a defense time to rest um, and, and be fresh so that we can see, hopefully <laughs> a more, more productive defense out of a more productive and more balanced offense as well. Yeah. I mean, the running backs are there, right? I mean, Mike Collins, I think you sort of know what to expect um, or what, I think you, you know what we would be excited to expect uh, if, if that makes sense there, because, you know, Talapop is gone and obviously there were a lot of strengths that Talapapa brought to the offense, which is why you didn't see Holland's fed, um, you know, as a, as a premier guy, uh, this transfer Cody Brown, I know, uh, folks are definitely stoked about Ahmad Fossen's potential. Um, uh, you need multiple running backs, of course, even if you have one guy that is the guy. So regardless, there's, there's talent there to look at. There's reasons to think that you could have a more balanced offense, but, uh, my question for you about the offensive line is everyone knows about the transfers out. If you're listening to this and you haven't been following, they lost a bunch of transfers on the OL. And, and so, you know, the depth chart is, is not looking so hot, which we saw in the spring game where they were like, we have four guys. Um, but anyway, my question for you is in that dearth of, of, of depth across the offensive line, is there anything to suggest that, a particular shift in the offense or strategy would help alleviate it somehow, you know, to me, not yeah. being the guy, the X's and O's guy of football. It's like, I don't know if it's easier if they run something, you know, more, a more simple concept or a more balanced concept, or is it easier if they're just like, listen, if we can get on a pass for tech, then give Brennan right. enough time, then yeah, right. we're going to throw it 80% of the time still, you know, I, I don't know what, what are your thoughts on that? So there's a, there's a school of thought that tempo is actually go, that going up tempo and going at a more of a no huddle speed is actually something that can help an inexperienced or um, less talented offensive line, because right. you're going to, one is if you have, you see this a lot from um, uh, some, sometimes smaller schools that, that they're going to have guys that are 275, 280 pounds, but are a little bit better athletes maybe. Um, and the idea being that if you can get those guys to run, get, get into the rhythm of just running the offense, running the offense, one, you're going to keep the defense on the field and try and 
wear them down. But the biggest thing that an up-tempo offense does is take away some of the complexity of what a defense okay. can do. That a defense can't move around players pre-snap as much. They can't do as much trying to change blitz looks and things. You make the defense a little bit more vanilla because they have less time to do something pre-snap. And so an offensive line isn't trying to decipher a whole bunch of pre-snap movement. There's not as much stress on the communication skills across the line okay. as opposed to snap the ball and pick up who comes. Um, so I think that the two, the two things that, that I would want to see this offense move toward are, are doing that. I, I think that, that the, the, the fact of an experienced quarterback with an inexperienced offensive line, I think would, would really lend itself well to an up-tempo approach. Um, especially with a deep group of wide receivers that you could essentially platoon that you run, mm -hmm. you know, the four guys in and out together. Um, the other thing would be using a lot of these offensive linemen were recruited from other positions. There are, there are guys on this team that were either defensive ends or tight ends or something like that in high school mm -hmm. that were recruited because they were tall and long <laughs> and athletic. And then, trusted the strength and conditioning program to add weight to them. But we didn't really see much of, of taking advantage of that under the old offense. There was a okay. lot of what they were being asked to do was still win a blocking fight in a phone booth as opposed to get out in space. And if, if that's the other thing you can do to sort of cover up for an offensive line is if it, the offensive line, their advantage is we know where we want to go. And if we can sort of jujitsu the defensive, you know, aggressiveness against itself, get the defense out of position and then set up, set up blockers for screens or, or moving downfield in a way that, again, you, you, you don't have to be dealing with the same complexity as it is. We know where we want to go. We're more athletic and we can get there. So, you know, there was, everybody always kind of joked about, we had never seen a running back screen in, you know, four or five years under mm -hmm. an eye. Um, that would be something that I'd like to see some of that, um, mm -hmm. that there are guys that you can use players like Keaton Thompson or, or the other wide receivers that are, uh, you know, a guy like Devin Chandler, one of the, the transfers in that's a similar sort of dynamic can play sort of lots of different roles within an offense, move those guys around, get creative, get the ball to them quick and let your offensive line get out in space and clear, clear a path for them. Sure. That's, that's the kind of thing I'd, I'd like to see them try and do a little bit more this year. It makes a lot of sense and it, it plays those strengths. I mean, you, I think it gives you a reason for optimism that it's something that they can mitigate. Um, I don't know. It sounds sort of silly to be up like have any reasons for, I mean, O-line is so critical. <laughs> you it's, know? it's like, yeah. So like we said at the beginning, all of these question marks, it, it could go either way and there's a there's a lot of variability to how this season is going to play out because of these questions but included in that is everything that we sort of glossed over and didn't hit on which is it's a new freaking coaching staff you know so in addition to talking about is the offense going to run similarly uh, obviously virginia had massive issues on defense last year it's sort of you know the the reason it was a middling success i don't know if you would call it so we could talk about that i think going into it we said you know if they qualify for a bowl game and beat the Hokies, it's a success well they qualify for a bowl game and they didn't quite beat the Hokies. so to me last season was not a success 
you know, in in a short yeah. answer. And, and I'm, I'm I'd be fine with entertaining reasons otherwise, but I think it's a pretty low bar to set or comfortable bar to set <laughs> for me. So if we're thinking, is this upcoming season one where they could qualify for a bowl game and be Virginia Tech? It's a big old baby. And a lot of that is, again, going to p- depend on uh, revamping a defense that was not very good uh, in the trenches, not very good at stopping the run, not very good at stopping explosive plays, which you can put on a lot. I mean, we talked about it a ton last fall. Is it the secondary's fault? Is it the pass rush's fault? It's probably everybody's fault, right, that, that you're giving up explosive plays. Um, the ACC is doesn't scare anybody, you know, so I, we're not going to hear any excuses that they just ran into a buzz off a schedule. I mean, Coastal Carolina is probably one of the more difficult games on, on that schedule. Not, not laughing, just like, you know, we know that that's a good program yeah. now, um, but laughing at the fact that, you know, they, it's just ACC football. It looks worse on paper compared to a lot uh, in a lot of ways compared to the Chanticleers. So that is all rambling to say uh, w- w- what are you seeing in reports or, or interviews um, about how the defense is, is going to approach. Um, uh, and with that is a lot of that also dictated by, you know, the guys who are here and how they were, what they were recruited for. Yeah, no, I, I think there's the, the sentiment of last year being a little bit of a disappointment. I'm a hundred percent on, on, on board with, because I I'd set sort of the same parameters. I think we'd, probably had that conversation together of yeah it's you know bowl eligibility and beat virginia tech that's sort of the baseline for success at virginia that's what we should expect year in year out um and and it what was so frustrating about last year was that if the defense had been merely bad instead of atrocious <laughs> then it probably would have been another two or three wins yeah you know, there, there are games that were you know probably the carolina game you know there were thing, things that it, were the offense did plenty yeah. um and and just the 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 defense's inability to stop anything and anybody um really really disappointing um i I think there is a lot of um the versatility that mendenhall was trying to shift Mm -hmm. toward that there was trying to move a little bit more from sort of three four to three three five and as there was a little bit more um, especially in, in linebackers and defensive backfield, there is a little bit more shift towards some versatility there. I think that's going to play really well into sort of how Rodzinski ran his defense. Uh, John Rodzinski, the, the defensive coordinator that came in from Air Force, um, more of a 4-2-5, but also sort of a 3-3-5. That, that we are likely to see five defensive backs on the field pretty much all the right. time, you know, five, five at a minimum. Um, and then the question of what is the what is those other five or six guys look like? And it is it is it four hand in the dirt guys? Is it three plus another one sort of you know and it, it more on two feet but at the end of the line? Um, they, they have that it, it's called the bandit position. Uh, that's also you'll hear it sometimes referred to as like a jumbo linebacker gotcha. uh, is what the role was called with with the New England Patriots. Uh, you think of a guy like Richard Seymour, like that was the classic jumbo linebacker for the Patriots. Right. Um, so that's kind of what, it, who who can play that kind of role. And that's a role that's really good for some of the guys that are a little bit more athletic tweeners. Um, sure. This is why I, I might be jumping ahead to, to sort of who we think might really stand yeah, out yeah. this year. But I, I really think Ben Smiley 
is positioned for a breakout season. And I know I said it last year <laughs> also, but my history of, of drafting in my, my dynasty league, uh, I, I have eight guys two years too early. Um, so <laughs> I, this Ben Smiley come, come through for me. Are you um, in a college football deck? No, no, okay, no, no, okay, no, yeah. no, but like I drafted, I drafted Cooper cup in my dynasty league yeah. as a rookie yeah, and yeah. you know, Good investment. Foolish, foolishly parted ways with him, you know, two years mm, ago. Poor. Uh, yeah. I didn't say, I didn't say I'm any good at it. I just, oh, okay. it too. Um, you know, a guy like Ben Smiley, that's got an athletic defensive end. You know, he was never quite long enough or big enough to play that real true three man front end role okay. for Mendenhall, but he wasn't quite quick enough to play outside linebacker either, which I think is what kind of held him back from seeing as much playing time as might've benefited his development. But okay. he's the kind of guy that you look at that bandit role. He's kind of perfect for that. Cause he can, he can play out of a three point stance and a four man front. He can stand up and move around a little bit. Right. Um, you know, he's, he's somebody that I would look to see a lot out of this year. Um, and same with Cam Butler, uh, the transfer in from Miami of Ohio. Um, again, similar body types, about 6'3", 250. You know, Smiley is about 6'4", 260. Um, so guys that are, you, you could see them as a four, three defense, you know, a four man front defensive end, but they, they bring that kind of versatility and that kind of attack. Uh, I think that's going to be the, the key. The biggest question mark for me on the defense is Rodzinski was hailed as having, you know, having a top 40 top 20 defense the last couple of years at air force. That's true. If you look at the pure counting stats, if you okay. look at pure yards and points per game, they are, but Air Force also ran one of the slowest offenses in the country. This, okay. this is this is sort of the the, the UVA basketball conversation. Um, that if you look at the more pace adjusted football stats, the Air Force defense was still good. It just wasn't necessarily top forty. It was more top fifty, top sixty. So still, you know, top half of of Division One with guys who were two stars or no stars coming out of high school. Um, so, you know, obviously an infusion of talent, but if the offense is trying to go up tempo, how does the defense react to that? How, how can we play? How does, how does Virginia play complimentary football this year um, when there's maybe not as much playable depth on defense? There's, there's few more guys with more inexperience, uh, which, which frankly could be a benefit on defense that, you know, the way it's been the last <laughs> two years having fewer of those guys in the field might be a good thing. So how about you? When, when you look at the defense, what's your, your big question mark? Um, is Jameer Carter, the answer nose tackle, you know what I mean? Like uh, and it's not so much pass pass rush um, as it is not letting the team get gutted up the middle, right. <laughs> which is more right. than just the nose tackle, but obviously that's the, the tip of that spear, you know? So I feel like, <sighs> It, 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 it to me building up the middle right like is nick jackson gonna be that guy right uh in the middle linebacker position or you know uh, where are we gonna see a, a development jump that fills in what we've missed since like zane's and deer graduated um uh maybe it's a culmination of a handful of guys um but i think without that you're gonna have the same issues of having to to sort of sell out on the run game enough to 
make them throw the ball, but then giving up big plays if they're good at throwing the ball <laughs> and right. you're in single coverage, right. you're not going to get good pass rush. So that's, you know, they got to do that to, to beat the good teams that they're going to play. Um, and so the theme of it with these big question marks, I'm just interested to see how it looks like to see how this scheme comes together. Um, and, you know, it's an interesting point you made about the coaching staff. Definitely not like, I would say like heralded, but no one was like losing their minds over the resume who's coming in. And like you said, if, if, if there's a lot of context to those exact stats, um, what's it going to look like when they're playing with guys that they haven't even recruited yet to. So right. that, you know, that's going to be the theme about everything besides the quarterback position and let's say wide receivers, of course, but even then they're going to be new faces of wide receiver that I think fans are going to be excited about and learn sure. too. So hopefully quarterbacks stay steady and, you know, knock on wood, et cetera. Um, because yeah. the depth chart there, uh, Fans probably know who Jay Wolfolk is uh, at this point, um, made an appearance and obviously pitched for the baseball team. He's the backup, um, but uh, I, I don't know. I sort of feel like they've been missing in quarterback recruiting uh, the previous staff. And so, yeah, um, little, you know, like, little bit. I don't know. They, they, talking about third string, fourth string depth, depth is probably silly to begin with. So we'll see. Uh, pretty much any any ACC team that is ends up playing as third or fourth string quarterback is probably uh, not going to be feeling too good. Except it's like if it's always like Boston College has like six guys who are all six eight sure. and throw the ball sure. and you know I don't sure. know <laughs> like it's you know, those Northeast uh, prep school kids just line up I guess. But um, in talking about the the coaching staff and and new schemes. What are other things, and I mean, we cover the broad ones, like what's the offense going to look like? What's the defense going to look like? But what are some maybe specific questions that you're interested in seeing the answers to, whether it be schematic or personnel or just ways that we might see this Virginia football team look different uh, compared to the Bronco Mendenhall Virginia football teams? Yeah, I think there's a, a, a even if it is still an error air first attack, even if it's not, you know, all the way to 90% of the production, is it more short game like we've seen, or is it more deep ball that, you know, sort of mm. early, early Mendenhall with banker, there was a lot of over the top. Um, and there was less of that. And really the last couple of years, I, I got very frustrated watching how many of the quote, the deep throws were these sort of, impossible drop it into a ba a bucket on the opposite sideline sure. high arc you know, it, was, it was just asking for very difficult deep throws as opposed to you know we've we've got a guy like Lavelle Davis coming back now we've got Dontavian Wig we've, we've got these speed burner this combination of speed and size mm -hmm. that can make a vertical passing game work really well um you know, is, are they going to do, be doing, I think Malachi Fields stepped into that role yeah. really well as a freshman last year too. Um, so again, th th that's going to be a product of, of how the offensive line can protect, or if they're able to move Armstrong and move the pocket to away from pressure to give time for roots to develop. Um, but that would, that would be my, my question is sort of more specifically is, is this still a quick hit Deacon dunk plays in space type offense or is it a try and establish the run and then hit over the top type, type offense, which is a little bit more of what we saw from Clemson and under with Tony Elliott. 
Obviously, when you've got mm-hmm. Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence throwing to Amari Rogers and T. Hick, you know, that's yeah. Those <laughs> you guys do are that. good. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's it's a can can they figure out how to do the same thing with with the talent that's here? Um, what are your thoughts? What is there one side of the ball that you feel like you know there there are more more chances for big changes or 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 different looks? Yeah, I mean it's um you, when you think about the offense, like we know those names. So, and we'll get to sleeper breakout candidates next, but uh, they're going to miss Jelani Woods. I mean, the, I think Keaton is sort of a natural fit as another, um, not the same position, but in that sort of um, safety blanket, like the, the idea that who, who's, who, who's Brennan going to rely on. And I, I, we already hit on the running game seeing an actual running game that isn't like slow developing out of the shotgun would be nice too. So um, can, can we get some hundred yard performances from Mike Collins, et cetera? Um, They, they they do a a better job of keeping it off on not entirely on Brennan's shoulders. So what, what's it going to look like when, you know, something's on the line and they know that the, the strong, the strength of the offense is the receivers. So it's big, big time coverage on Wicks, uh, anybody downfield. So sort of the opposite of what you're saying, who's going to be that reliable, like, let's just get five yards, let's get six yards um, and keep it going. Um, You know, it wasn't just for Lightwoods, but obviously that those are big shoes to fill um, next to Kemp, next to, um, to Keaton, who obviously still here. And, you know, I, I, I hit it uh, earlier about a pass rush. Um, you know, I want to like, how's that getting fixed? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And again, is it a scheme? Is it, is it personnel? Is it, you know, obviously a combination between the two, but it's just such a huge issue to, to keep watching over and over again. If it's a personnel issue, maybe it doesn't get fixed. Right. Like, but you, yeah. they're at least get, you, we're going to see this, this new staff, try uh different things because they're different guys calling different shit so um i'll be curious to see if they can get some better production there and who steps up into that uh type of needed production so in that same vein who's going to step up who are some guys that that you know listeners right now might not recognize the name but um are good candidates to on either side of the ball step up this season and become new household names yeah, I think I think we've talked about Cam Butler and, and Ben Smiley. I think they're, they're one of the other defensive transfers, um, Paul Akariki from uh, Columbia. Um, yeah, again, somebody that's coming up from a lower level, but was productive at that level. Um, I think that's somebody that, again, when you're trying, if you're trying to implement a whole bunch of new stuff on defense, sometimes new faces and somebody who's going to bring in some energy of trying to prove themselves in a new place and mm. uh, a background of doing things a different way, uh, maybe more, more receptive or more able, able to buy into that system. Uh, and I, I think it's the, this coaching staff has taken a very similar philosophy to the last one on transfers that they're not bringing guys in with the intention of having them sit on the bench. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're not mm-hmm. bringing guys in just for depth. They want to have guys come in and play. Um, so I, I, Cam Butler is sort of the more obvious one, mm-hmm. uh, but behind him, I, th- I think there is uh, some. Of, there are some of those other players that uh, uh, Olu Angunlie, uh would be another one um, that uh, I, I think could be makes make some contributions on 
on the defense line. He's, he's got, you know, he's 6'6", 280. So he's, again, a player whose frame gives him a lot of versatility of, of how they might want to play him. Uh, so I think that, that's, that's a player who could be really interesting. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, it, it seems, you know, outside of the offensive line, which, you know, those guys don't usually get to become household names just anyways. Um, <laughs> a guy that, that I think could, could find his way onto the field pretty early this year is Carson Gay, uh, okay. a guy coming in from, from the recruiting class, um, you know, 6'6", 230 tight end. So he's, a, a, again, a big guy. Uh, he was the second highest rated recruit in the class, you know, per the 24 seven composite. And it's a recruiting class that this, the staff was trying to scramble to keep together or supplement in that last couple of weeks that they right. had between getting announced, getting hired and getting to signing day. Um, you know, so, but he's a guy that the, the, the tight end rooms a little bare, um, you know, losing, losing Jelani Woods after just the one season, um, you know, guys like Grant Mish, um, there, there's just not, not that much in front of him as part of it. So if, if the coaching staff wants to go to a two or three tight end, look, well, that means Carson Gay's going to play. Um, so he's got, he's got a lot of talent and I think that's, he's one of the sort of a little bit more under the radar recruits, even though he was fairly highly rated, but I think somebody that could, could really find his way into some early playing time by being in the right position and, and bringing that kind of talent. Um, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if that's, um, you know, the, the tight end position has been a little bit of a pleasant surprise each of the last few years when it, when it was Tony Poljan and then John Woods. So there's been sort of a breakout guy in that role each of the last few years. I, I'd be interested to see if, even if it's not Carson Gay, if it's Josh Rawlings or, or one of the other guys in that small group, if that's still another position that, that gives us that breakout player this year. Who's somebody that you have your eye on? Um, well, speaking of transfers, I, I forget if we've said his name yet, but uh, Chico Bennett, um, tra- transfer from Georgia Tech. Um, have you mentioned him already? Sorry if I'm. Uh, no, I don't think we have. I think that was somebody that you know it's, it's a transfer. And like you know, that's still the I think the bandit role. Um, so the ability to hopefully come off the edge, maybe maybe he uh, merges in that pass rush. Um, we haven't said uh, the the most active uh, social media recruit. Well, I would, Dakota Twitty has also been very active on social media, but uh, the kicker, uh, Will Petridge, yeah. is he's a highly ranked kicker. Is he going to come take the job? You know, I think if you combine uh, hype with with kicker rankings that we all live and die by, <laughs> but also just uh, the idea of if he does, if he is good enough and, and, and shows out, uh, he is very amusingly engaged on social media. So I think that would be an easy fan favorite, like, um, you know, special teams uh, uh, hero, hopefully for, for the who's. So, uh, you know, kicking, kicking hasn't always been a sure thing in recent years for Virginia football. So it would be nice. I, I think last year it, it wasn't a big deal. As far as I remember, that's not what I remember as a big deal from last year, at least. So. Sure. Of, of, of the complaints wasn't near the top of the list. <laughs> All right, but before we wrap up, um, maybe let's talk. Uh, we don't need to go game by game through the schedule, but um, maybe just like one one thing that you're you'll be interested to see um, as a matchup that that you know isn't an obvious one. Um, so we don't need to talk about the Hokies, and they have a new coaching staff. We'll have plenty of time to do that. But maybe in the out of conference schedule or anything that just struck you as uh, interesting when you were taking a look at uh, how the schedule lines up. 
Yeah, I think I think there are two early season road games that really caught my eye when I was kind of going through things and, and thinking about it this year. The first being the game at Illinois, um, mm-hmm. that that is going to be a very physical early season road test for this team, uh, that it is. It, it's Brett Bielema and we know what Brett Bielema wants to do on a football field. And while he doesn't yet have the guys at Illinois to do it the way he did it at Wisconsin, he's they're they're trying. And, and that meaty man ball sort of way of playing <laughs> got him to five and seven last year. Um, and, and so that's, that, that I think is going to be a really interesting, you know, can, can Virginia establish the run? Can they respond to a team that's trying to just run it down their throat? Um, you know, if it's a game that might be given up 200 yards on the ground is actually a decent outcome in that game. That if, gotcha. if you take last year's defense and plug it into that game, that's maybe a 350 yards on the ground. Gotcha. Um, so that one, and then the road trip to Syracuse, uh, and yeah, sort of yeah. the, the return of, of Anai and back to face their, their old team. Um, you know, Syracuse is another program that can be kind of, kind of up and down. I, I think Dino Babers is sort of on the hot seat and, you know, the fact that they're bringing in new offensive coordinator, new quarterbacks coach, mm-hmm. they're trying to do this big schematic change. Um, you know, is, is that something that, that, that they're going to be face sort of, um, building block questions like Virginia yeah. um, and do we maybe get to be the beneficiary of yeah. some air brand Robert and I play calling man you got to win that game I mean you know no you know <laughs> no sour grapes especially with coach Beck but we've lived the hot seat coach replaces offensive staff <laughs> quick turnaround to try and save sinking ship game here in charlottesville so let us go ahead and solidify uh a conference win that seems like a winnable conference road game there uh hopefully hopefully in in the the, whatever they're calling the carrier dome these days (laughs) but i think yeah those are both good calls i mean looking back at the illinois game last year um for the who's the the you blew them out in charlottesville right um I not looking at any stats. I'm just recalling the Illinois just couldn't stop Armstrong uh, yeah. at all. Now you get another year, um, you know, of experience here at home. Like, uh, and again, we're talking about a new offensive line for the Who's. So, will they be able to repeat that? Um, I would expect a little more out of Illinois um, this go around for sure. For me, looking at the schedule, not to be too Debbie Downer, but Last time we had a coaching change, they couldn't beat Richmond. So, uh, God, let's go ahead yeah. and uh, work on the little things, you know, like like coming in. Now, are they going to? Yeah, like come on, this isn't this isn't the same situation the Mendel Hall staff walked into. Um, this, you know, Tony Elliott staff, uh, some of whom are returning staff, right? Like uh, obviously all the hits that we've been talking about so far are still here and they should have no issue with Richmond, but nonetheless, all y'all are going to be a little bit nervous, you know, <laughs> like because we are any game, but also like, wasn't that long ago, um, you know, for, for the who's at the last coaching staff. And similarly, I mean, old dominion coming to town, um, it's probably not the ODU team that we saw beat the Hokies a few years ago, but I mean, ODU's this program that everybody talks about JMU and making these steps towards like big boy D one, 
Um, ODU has the potential to be right there too. Um, you know, a little bias, but um, there's uh, this isn't a game that you want to uh, take lightly, and it's not a game you want to lose because you need to be recruiting at a, at a level where you could say like we're we're right there with the Hokies as the premier program. You know what I mean in the state and. Right. You got to keep these other schools uh, second tier on paper, uh, and you can't do that if you lose them. So right there, that's two in-state schools coming to town. Um, it's, I like that. I think that's who Virginia should be playing early on. I also like the Illinois game. Like it's a perfect type of early schedule uh, to yeah. get you set up for your first ACC game, being on the road against a beatable Syracuse team, and then you got Duke at home. So. We'll see. I'm optimistic, as optimistic as I get about Virginia football, at least. But, um, you know, if they struggle in the, the, those four games we just covered, it's going to be a long year. Long year. Uh, there's a lot more There's a lot more soft underbelly in the front half of this schedule. You know, they, they get their off week in mid-October, almost mm-hmm. exactly halfway through the season. I, I think it is after the sixth game, perfect time for, for a bye week. So it, it, that'll, do, you know, the team that we're looking at six weeks in we'll know if they've you know if, if they're four and two and looked pretty comfortable against ODU and Richmond and handled Illinois and Syracuse and yeah that's that is a that's that's a good really good start to the year yeah, um, it sounds about like every tragic late season collapse right, I've, correct, I've correct. but it's better than an alternative you I mean you want to be playing these these lesser teams especially with the new coaching staff early on um, because you know it's going to take some time to adjust it's going to take some time to feel comfortable so um, better better to save the the better teams for the end of the season but it always sets up that way seems like every year for us so uh, a lot to be witnessed and opinions to be formed and things to see before we get to really talking about playing the heels and playing the Hokies and, and such. So yeah. Paul, many thanks for joining me folks at home. Thank you for, for listening. And I hope you're excited to be uh, back listening about UVA sports is right around the corner. So we're back to be with you. We'll be back soon to talk about stuff about media days and plenty of more to come as we get closer and closer to certain uh, the football season. So until then, for everybody at the blog, I'm Pierce. Go Hoos. 